0: Opinion Battlegrounds with Terence Fain Saunders, brought to you by Chellgate, International Strategic Issues Management Consultants.
1: So, welcome back to Opinion Battlegrounds. My name's Terence Fain Saunders, and I'm Executive Chairman of Chellgate, an International Strategic Issues, Public Affairs, and Reputation Management Consultancy. In each of these podcasts, I meet with a couple of friends and colleagues to mull over the battles raging for our opinion the debates, the campaigns, the arguments littering, the smoking remains of the opinion battlegrounds. If you've been with us before, you'll know that Chelgate team, we try not to take sides. We look at the winners and the losers. We discuss the tricks, the techniques, and the brutal weaponry of argument being used to lay claim to the truth. To persuade you and persuade me. And all the rest of us, innocent civilians in this new kind of warfare. Because, let's face it, opinion is power. If you can construct a whole new reality of opinion and manufactured fact, you have huge power. You can bring down governments, alter election outcomes, stoke the flames of an insurgency, alter a stock price, or destroy or create a reputation. In fact, you can shape the future. And this is happening today. The battle for your opinion has become a serious business. There are victors and there are victims and we'll be examining both. I say that the Chelgate team try not to take sides, but sometimes we make an exception. Sometimes we ask a special guest to join us. And when we do that, yes, we will be looking for their opinions. And today we have a very special guest Jackie Elliott, by any standards, one of the PR industry's most distinguished professionals, the former chairman of the UK's Public Relations Consultants Association, Jackie has at various times served as the EVP of a global PR business, as the Geneva-based communications director of the luxury watch manufacturer Rolex. I hope you're leaving one with me later, Jackie. And now as head of the corporate and marketing communications consultancy, Cathcart. But much more important than all of this, Jackie is a much-treasured old friend and colleague of mine. Our work together dating back to the days when we were cutting a very wide swathe through the burgeoning PR markets of Hong Kong and the Far East, luckily, Our adventures of those days are shrouded in a kind of mutual, almost mafia-like omerta, which I'm banking on to steer this episode safely through some very rocky, reputational waters. But I would mention that our colleague Joanna Young, who is the Chelgate producer for these podcasts, has been plying us with large quantities of New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc in advance of today's recording, hoping, I rather think, for a useful indiscretion or two. So, Jackie, welcome. I think you're going to be sharing a few thoughts on a few rather painful fads. Fads, Terence. And may I say
0: one thing? Thank you for a most elegant introduction. (laughs) I would have expected nothing less, but I'm terribly disappointed that you didn't mention uh, that I was Deputy Beauty Editor of Woman's Own. Oh,
1: well, so I, I, if, I, if, I can if, see If it any of your listeners feel the need to get in touch with me about weight issues
0: or possibly hairy legs, Chris, you may want to take that out, I'm your, I'm your person. Um,
1: I've been troubled by hairy legs for so, so long, Jeffrey.
0: Yes, well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the least of your problems? <laughs> anyway, now to more yeah. serious matters. As you know, I, I want to raise, I would not miss an opportunity Of a a public platform uh, to raise my unhappiness with some aspects of Me Too, but let's come back to that later.
1: And we certainly will. But joining Jackie and me today will also be my Chelgate colleague Jamie Munton. You may well have heard him before on our podcasts, because when it comes to opinion battlegrounds, or for that matter, any other battlegrounds, there are few people in the world today better equipped to comment. Jamie's professional career started as a soldier fighting his way through some pretty ugly real-life battlegrounds. But before long, Jamie moved on to a different kind of warfare, opinion warfare. And this is an area where he has headed some of the world's most sophisticated hostile territory communications, propaganda, and behavior influence operations. Jamie today, I should mention, has struggled in from his sickbed to join (laughs) us. So pour him another glass, Joanna. How are you feeling, Jamie?
2: Well, actually, I'm feeling like I want more wine. <laughs> I mean, you could pour me another glass, but it'll be my first glass in oh. in 18 days. I'm oh, sober. Yes, you're,
1: you're doing a, a sober February. My mm. sickness is actually withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> it's, not, it's got nothing to do with actually being sick. Well, welcome back from the, Thank the you. so-called sickbed. <laughs> uh, uh, and yes, Jack, Jackie has flagged up. Um, a couple of fads, or we may not call them fads perhaps, but areas of concern... One of the things I want to talk today about is the degree to which somehow maybe minorities are managing opinion Mm. and taking control of public life, of attitudes, of all kinds of things, maybe the outcomes of elections. Jackie, you mentioned one in particular. Let's let's start with that, if you like. Uh, Me too.
0: Well, I think... And I don't want to belittle Me Too, as nobody around this table would want to. But where I'm disappointed is how it has trivialized uh, some really very significant issues for women all over the world. It focused on the sort of Hollywood horror um, of, uh, and here I am slightly trivializing it, having your back patted by some mogul for which you got paid handsomely and signed a non-disclosure agreement. Uh, agreement, which there again, I find a bit of a paradox. Then they proceeded, this is all in the last three or four years, to raise very significant amounts of money to fight court cases, again dealing, I think, in not terribly important issues. Uh, And I fret that some of the bad things that women are going through in the 21st century, such as sexual trafficking, such as FGM, domestic violence in, never mind in in war-torn regions, uh, where rape as a weapon of war is a well-known fact, Um, but just in, in the Western world, in first world countries where violence against women is commonplace. And there's very little coordinated and orchestrated effort to raise funds to battle such issues, to take perhaps an example from what the uh, creative and the celebrity community did when HIV first became such a horror story for all of us. And those communities raised vast amounts of money, they orchestrated a response, and the results were phenomenal. And now HIV, thank God, is something that we we can live with Um, God forbid that we should have to, but we can live with it. And that's largely because the medical profession was fuelled to find a cure. And I wish that those people who wave white roses rather limply at the BAFTAs um, that's you boys are supposed to wear white roses because you can't wear a black dress. <laughs> Seems to me awfully prejudiced. Well, you know. yeah, that yeah. And that signals your so, unity mm. with the Me Too, Time's Up mm. uh, brigade. I'm, here I am ranting, and I apologise for hijacking this excellent medium at Terence. But well,
2: that's what the celebrities are doing. They're hijacking, aren't they? Yes,
0: they're hijacking. Their hu- issues hijacking. They're, they're issues hijacking. And uh, we can look, I think, at... Parallels everywhere, where there's a sort of single issue that's
2: you know, occupying somebody's sort of um, obsession.
0: Um, but
2: it's whether the the. So I agree. I do think they're trivialising somewhat by using, and they're leveraging their celebrity status. But one of the one of the benefits of them using their celebrity status to do it it is raising awareness at a scale that. Wouldn't have been raised otherwise. So without the celebrities trivialising it and making it their own sort of personal issue for ratings, or what, however cynical you want to be, that's the way that it's getting out to millions and millions and millions of people. That's creating a movement, and it's it's how do you assess whether the movement itself, i.e., Joe Blogs, Jane Blogs, rather, whether they are using it properly or not yes well that was i don't yeah. well, you, know I don't you know the put answer. It
0: more eloquently than i i have jamie you, that's absolutely it in a nutshell look celebrities should use the power that they have in media terms uh where it matters i think yeah. and avoid things like hypocrisy like
2: with natalie portman I think so, yes. And their home goals, aren't they? Because there are people that are against not just the trivialising of the movement in order to make it more beneficial to society and to more important issues, exactly like you said, which I agree with. But there are people that are misogynistic and that want to railroad the movement and they use things like Natalie Portman to completely... um, What's the word I'm looking for?
0: Well, to turn... Undermine it. Yeah, undermine it, yes.
1: I, I I find it terribly difficult because I feel very ambivalent about much of this stuff because I think that in a lot of our society and particularly, I'm certain show business, but right across our society, we have been trying to emerge from a world where yes, there were men uh, using their power and their influence um, in ways that were very horrible and were sometimes criminally horrible, but uh, women felt unable to do anything about it and yes there were horrendous uh, situations of, of of rape and 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 exploitation and society did need to change um i do think on the other hand that one often sees what appears to be vigorous virtue signaling where um people seem very keen uh to draw attention to their purity of purpose, um, their intentions. And I personally have have seen situations where um, I've had clients uh, approached through us by media offering a very large sum of money for quotes, their story. And once you start introducing large sums of money into a tale, into a situation, Mm -hmm. it has the risk of distorting the truth. And it's Um, it's very tempting always to believe the worst. And what can happen is you can have an appalling person doing appalling things, and that person should be held accountable for it. And one would hope that the people that have been hurt, uh, damaged uh, by those actions, would find peace and would would find resolution and and would find justice. But the trouble is, and the media, I believe, facilitate this, that money is put on the table. And that Others then are tempted to come forward, who know that either from the media or from just court settlements, there is there are large sums of money to be made, and this distorts the process, and it does nothing to help the people who've been damaged, and it's a very very or difficult a vulnerable thing. Or yeah, um, the most vulnerable yeah. And it's very difficult point. to talk about because people say, "Oh, you know, you're 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 denigrating what these people have suffered," and I'm absolutely not. Quite the reverse. Um, I feel that. In order, really as you're saying Jackie, in order to do justice to people who have truly been abused, truly suffered, um, you need to be very careful about a a system which in some ways almost encourages distortion of truth and and rewards uh, people in various ways for making claims which may not be true. And it becomes very complicated and and very difficult. And I think it puts our legal, uh, it puts the police in a difficult position, it puts our courts in a difficult position. And frankly, I don't know what the answer is, but I I am troubled by it always.
0: We can't answer it here, but one of the sort of key questions is if, if the situation that is in the spotlight is the truth, but one of the protagonists is prepared to accept a great deal of money to drop the truth. That fe- I feel sort of queasy about that. Which, another subject which, for another. Another. It is uh,
1: to, to lighten pod. it in a way and, and and to bring up my paranoia, if I may, for a moment, because I love a bit of paranoia in these cases. Don't you, sometimes feel that we are all being manipulated? <laughs> I'll tell you, I uh, my my nearest and dearest get very irritated with me when I rant on about these people from the planet Vega who seem to have landed on Earth um, and and seem to be outnumbering us. And it is very odd and very interesting. And I think it actually deserves a little more inspection because research shows that around 1% of the British population are vegans. You would never guess it, would you, when you walk into a large supermarket and you see the shelves given up to vegan products, when you see the amount of publicity that is out there in the media, and you wonder... How are 1% of the population so successfully leveraging their particular minority interest? And the same in a a similar way uh, applies to perhaps the, the, the free from, gluten free campaign too. where I know there's been a lot of medical research which indicates that the very significant majority of people marching to the free from shelves are going to gain no benefit from that, but are going to pay a tremendous amount more for the products they're buying. And I get a bit cynical. I begin to think maybe opinion is subtly and cunningly being manipulated. Maybe the supermarkets and manufacturers, whoever, I don't know, are spotting an opportunity to create a new kind of actual artificial food product, which they can market to. The innocent public and say to them, Oh, you really need this for your health. And I just have a feeling that we are being manipulated.
2: I think there are definitely numbers to support the decision behind the marketing campaigns from the main sort of producers and and, and food markets, waitress, MS, whatever. I th- I think we suffer from location bias as well. We are in London and you know it's a metropolitan city, it's the world capital, as you always say, Towns. <laughs> I think mean, I you know I'm gonna be Quite general here, I think if I was to go to Inverness and go to a supermarket there I don't think there would be such a heavy weighting towards advertising and vegan products Well I spend quite a lot of time
1: up in Yorkshire and there are many things Yorkshire doesn't have but I, I, I've i spotted that the vegans have landed on the planet there as well and, mm-hmm. and But I'd imagine uh, not to the same yeah, extent that you find yeah, in London yeah. where it's sort
2: of rammed down your throat yeah. every store you go into
0: There are two things here mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll throw this out for, mm-hmm. the, for the two of you there's the um, general understanding, much, I mean, you're going to have to accept this, Terence, <laughs> that eating less meat is is good mm-hmm. for you. Mm. There is evidence that you live longer, that you have a less... Well, that's
1: vegetarian yeah. rather than well, vegan. Well,
0: exactly, I'm saying mm. eating less meat. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so mm. we've all of us probably eating a rather different diet to that that our parents yeah. had. We're eating more vegetables, we're eating less red meat, we're conscious of, uh, of processed meat and so on as being not terribly good for us. Uh, so we're, we're adjusting our diets. And I don't think any of us would have any argument with that. And mm-hmm. you might, yeah. uh, it's a little faddy. I mean, the, the, the food and nutrition pages, the cookery pages are stuffed full of vegetable, mm-hmm. vegetarian recipes and sometimes vegan. And I think, and it's a shame we d- don't have a vegan with us here today, but perhaps next time. I think veganism has been slightly weaponized by the climate change. I am mean, I'm, 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 I believe in climate change, I'm, I'm not sure whether it's man-made or whether it's sort of cyclical, but I, we certainly, none of us can disagree with what is the going on out there. But they've, certain sectors of the vegan community have hijacked climate change, and to use your word, climate, lever, are leveraging that to beat all of us up. And say, because of you and all the cows, uh, climate change is accelerated, there's got to be a radical change of the way we behave and the way we construct our lives, and you people who eat meat are causing the death of the planet, which is palpably absurd. Well, if I can
1: just read something from The Guardian, that well-known fascist right-wing publication. The, the Guardian wrote, unless you're sourcing your vegan products specifically from organic no-dig systems, you are actively participating in the destruction of soil biota, promoting a system that deprives other species, including small mammals, birds and reptiles, of the conditions for life and significantly contributing to climate change. So The Guardian, at least, is and their expert writer, is of the view that actually the vegans are damaging our climate. So what are we going to do about them? Well, you see here... Sorry, Jamie. (laughs) This is
0: very interesting from the point of view of the three of us sitting here, and I hope the people who listen to the podcast as well. Because the vegans are a small and concentrated group, they are able to achieve much more... In terms of uh, managed communications, uh, then perhaps all those of us who might have a slightly differing opinion might well, have right, a, me
2: too. Which uh, probably suffer from exactly completely to, this. more
0: diverse, more yeah. not not a united voice. Yeah, and at some stage, perhaps those people who do have a more balanced approach to nutrition and to diet and to the the proper practice of sort of vegetarianism, if I can call it that ought to speak up, ought to organise themselves. Maybe the food manufacturers should. Food I think, I think Federation the food, should. I think
1: many food manufacturers and supermarkets and so on are actually making money. Well, uh, actually, I'm rather more critical. I, I think there's
2: a margins argument mm-hmm. here. Yeah. I mean, if, if I, I could not afford to eat vegan, good vegan, five, six days a week, couldn't afford it. It is so expensive to buy organically oh, produced food. Uh, it's just completely unaffordable. Um, there are margins there that make it worthy of the cause of leveraging issues like climate change to make it a fad or to make it sort of trend and get people on board. I'm rather more cynical about it. It's all about money.
0: But I'm sure, I mean, was I right when I said that your diet has changed slightly? I mean, are you eating as much meat, Jamie, as you used to eat? To be frank?
2: Yeah. Probably a little
0: more.
2: (laughs) 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 To be really honest. uh... Really?
0: What, so bacon... At, bre- yeah. at breakfast, a oh, um, um, nice bit of roast chicken at lunchtime, and a good steak, big, steaks, big good fat steaks. steak. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty much three <laughs> meat days a week. It wonder <laughs> not so well. <laughs> no, I, no, it hasn't affected my diet. I mean, I am obviously aware that probably less red meat is is good, better for me, and is health more healthy. And um, actually, the, the real honest answer is I eat whatever my wife cooks for me.
0: Right. OK. Um, Gosh, but, not, but that, that's but, another topic. And I don't, I don't really have a say in it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
2: I'll eat what I've given. And I yeah. know which time my bread is buttered on. I'm very appreciative of everything that I get given. Okay, um, uh, yeah. But, yeah.
1: Let me just read you also a little, another little extra that we dug out earlier from the, from the Financial Times, uh, saying, but there is one group for whom the trend towards veganism is definitely a good thing processed food manufacturers and retailers. The past few years have produced something of a backlash against processed food. We're all a bit worried about our sugar intake. We understand more about how food with a high glycemic load might create insulin resistance, so we're increasingly suspicious of the low-fat product industry, given that the more low-fat food we eat, the fatter we seem to get. What better time then for the industry to find itself with a whole new market into which to sell factory-made processed food, one that is gloriously more ideologically and identity-driven than any other. This is a marketing greenwash opportunity to beat all others. Create a good vegan product and not only can you virtue signal about it relentlessly, but you can charge a feel-good premium too. Mm. And that was from the financial Times. But
0: if, we're, if we are still only talking about 600,000 vegans in this country, mm. which you and I, I think agree on, mm. then the margins must be...
2: But they're not the only ones that
0: buy vegan food. Ah, I'm very that, much so meaty. If, if you're a I'm 100% buy... vegan, you're in part of that 600,000... Yeah.
1: 000... People are being so, unnerved. I would in say so I possibly. probably buy vegan food Two but, or three times a week. But what interests me, and, and going back to to our podcast and and you know the the battle for our opinions is, I just have this feeling, and it does look to me when you look at the products, when you look at the packaging of the products, when you look at the at the money that is being pumped into it, that it does seem to be rather, as the Financial Times suggested there, that there has been a business opportunity identified by some very, very well-funded interests who maybe had felt, well, there are other processed foods now becoming a bit unfashionable, Mm -hmm. and this is a new opportunity. And I'm not saying that veganism is a bad thing, and, and I'm certainly not saying vegetarianism is a bad thing, but I do think it's possibly healthy to just be a little skeptical about some of the messaging and to actually want to dig a little bit to see who is really behind the messaging is it only people who truly care about our well-being well, that's a
2: greater issue isn't it the the lost art of critical thinking and introspection just doesn't really exist anymore it may worry you
0: li- a little terence so did you know that the launch of greg's vegan sausage roll one oh. uk consumer God. public relations campaign of the year <laughs> last well <there>. congratulations
1: <laughs> to them too uh, and, and it took and, up two news cycles <laughs> yeah the the modern world
2: of comms mm. is incredible that's i mean Vegetarian sausage roll, vegan sausage roll, vegan vegan sausage rolls,
1: Incredible. Yes. But when we talk about the power of the advertising dollar, as it were, of, of of big business of interest, if we look across the water to the United States, we're also seeing something I consider remarkably interesting going on right now, and that is the entry of Mr. Bloomberg into the uh, presidential race on the Democrat side. Um, This is a man who is able to spend huge, huge sums of money, which will dwarf anything that any other Democrat is able to spend, and frankly, will be able to outspend Trump significantly as well. You have a situation at the moment where Sanders seems to have worked himself into a steady and healthy lead on the Democrat side, but then Bloomberg hasn't contested any of these early uh, rounds. Bloomberg's spend is not just huge, it is also incredibly sophisticated. He's hiring some of the very, very best and most skilled advertising people, social media people. They're putting together some very cunning, very attractive campaigns. Um, I actually think, and I've said this in a previous podcast, I think that my own bet is that if Sanders becomes the Democratic candidate. Mr. Trump is back with us for another term because I think we are seeing a replication of what happened in the UK mm. where Corbyn had sufficient following to take control of the Labour Party but not to take control of the country and because it's clustered within that party. Similarly, I think that Sanders' following is largely clustered within the Democrats and won't become that much bigger in the country as a whole in, in percentage terms. And I think that probably with his solid base, We'll probably see Trump managing to outperform Sanders because there is a very large core of American opinion that has always resisted anything that is in any way socialist. And remember, Sanders is not even a registered Democrat and calls himself a socialist. And I think it would be quite difficult for him to win a national election. The red Blo- scale will, will come out in force. Yeah, but, well, yes. But Bloomberg is although he's already taking some heat against him, I think Bloomberg may have the ability to challenge Trump, which would be a very interesting thing. My bet, we were talking about this earlier, and I'm happy to be proved wrong, and this doesn't mean I in any way support him or anyone else, but if I had to have a bet on the outcome of the American election right now, because I have great respect for the skill of good political marketing people, my bet is that Mr. Bloomberg will succeed in getting the Democrat nomination and will actually then beat Trump for the presidency, which would be quite something because Mr. Bloomberg is another gentleman of a certain age, 78, um, and it makes us all feel like spring chickens around this table. It's a big <laughs> bet, Terence, it I know really it is. is. I know I know. I mean, not us let's, let's put not, it on the table. Let's you. put it on the table. Let's see who, who you think would win.
0: I'm sorry to say that I think Trump will do it again. He, I agree it again. Again. Yeah. I think Trump yeah. is back I mean, there's too much anecdotal. We've all got friends and family in, yeah. in the States and they think the man is doing a good job. Yeah. I mean, it's inconceivable. But Even
2: our American here thinks he's doing a decent enough job. He has a very, very <laughs>
1: solid following. You're right. And I don't see any chance that Saunders could overturn that. But it will be interesting to see because here we will have the example of what I've been talking about really sophisticated spend, which we haven't yet seen its impact, it's only just beginning, huge, really unlimited spend into social media, uh, into data, and data marketing is getting more and more and more sophisticated. Trump found a core which he's been able to use and, 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 and develop, and it's very solid. I... Tend to think that we are reaching an age now where, if somebody has the power to dominate social media using the modern techniques available to them, that the world changes. It's also we will see. Of the timeline, isn't it? We, we will see. This is we're, we're putting <coughs> our bets down now, and I think we should I think,
0: let's put money on it and, <laughs> and meet in when is it? It's later this year. Yes, is it? Yeah, and yeah. Well, we, we could do a. Re- I didn't know, Terence. Um, we'll see. We'll see. see. It's a big Um, bet. An interesting one. What about uh, our outsider, the nice young man who of Maltese. Buttigieg. Buttigieg, that's
1: it. Yeah. He seems a very impressive character. Uh, He also seems, in some ways, what many of the Democrats would like somebody more middle of the road. He speaks well. He's articulate. He has a decent background, a decent track record. It's not a particularly high powered track record. He comes from a, a more limited background, but still a Everything he's done, he's done well so far. Um, I am not sure, to be honest, that the United States as a whole is yet ready to elect someone from the gay community. I think that Mr. Trump's core vote uh, are not people who would necessarily be... Um, that friendly to the gay community, I may be wrong. And I would like to think that the United States has moved beyond that. Um, But I think that it would still be very difficult for him to win a national election. Um, And it would be sad because people should be judged on their ability and, and skill. And he does seem a very attractive personality in many ways. And one who I think would do the United States a lot of good without myself offering support to any candidate or saying who I would favor. Um, but but if, I, if we talk about who we think would win, I can understand why you think Mr. Trump might. Okay. And it will be very interesting to see just how powerful the advertising dollar has become or the skilled social media dollar has become. And I think that we are reaching an age now where data... Has become so sophisticated yeah. and so scary, and someone with the skills that 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 uh, Bloomberg can unleash uh, on this, he does, He's not all that far behind now. He's closing the gap very fast. And collapsing timelines
2: are less of an issue these days. Yeah. People's opinions can shift and change within they, a, a news cycle, twelve hours.
1: They do. So it's one. It's one we'll be watching and and, and measuring as we go forward. And uh, it'll be. well, certainly one we'll be coming back to in future podcasts. Meanwhile, i better draw today to a conclusion. Jackie, it's been so super to have you with us, and we're going to get you back, please. And we're certainly going to get you back after the American election has taken place, and uh, to to point out the idiocy of my my early opinion here. But (laughs) thank you for joining us, which has been really great. And Jamie, once again, thank you for braving another... Very welcome. ...Chelgate podcast. (laughs) And to those of you who have joined us today, uh, thank you for joining us, and we'll be back again in two weeks' time.
0: Thanks for listening to Opinion Battlegrounds. Please subscribe to receive the latest episodes and you can follow us on Twitter at Chelgate or email contact at Chelgate.com.